Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. When most of us think about priests, we think about things like this with big, a big hat, staff, uh, probably some Latin thrown in there somewhere, uh, some other things maybe that we don't understand too well. Uh, and it is those things in, in more uh, less reformed theology places. Uh, not that those places are evil, but when we think of our being referred to in First Peter here, chapter 2, if you want to turn there, it's where we are. We think of our being referred to as priests, as a royal priesthood, as he's describing believers in the church. He's talking about something drastically different than that. Oftentimes, these kind of trappings are a little bit somewhat, or can be at least, a little bit off-putting, wondering, how can I, do I have to have access to God? Is there, is there, is there a secret, secret handshake? Is there, do I have to know enough songs? Is there... Is there something I don't know or haven't done yet to where my access to God has to go through this guy and this guy all the time? And the thing I want us to see today about, about our priesthood is, in short, it's about access. It's about our access to God and our coming into a holy place with him anytime we wish. So turn there, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at verses 1 to 10 together and see what we can glean today from the Lord from this text. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." Four things I want us to, to see today from this text <clears throat> that have to do with our, our being priestly followers. Priestly followers, first of all, have a growing faith. Priestly followers have a growing faith. Look at verse 2 again. It says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Crave pure spiritual milk that you may grow up in your salvation. Show of hands. Who likes sweet things over savory things? Okay. Who likes savory over sweet? 
Who likes a bowl of ice cream with bacon on top? Savory and sweet. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of a savory or sweet guy. I'll, I'll eat, eat about whatever's in front of me as fast as I can. Um, th- this idea of what we crave, he's, he's, he's saying here, to crave pure spiritual milk. Crave the things of the spirit, he's saying here, instead of the things of the world. Crave, in essence, pursue spiritual maturity. Crave the things that, are, that have spiritual depth to them is what he's saying. He says, grow up in your salvation, that your salvation is, is and can be and should be a growing experience that once we are saved, that's not the end. Oftentimes many believers act like it is, and some, some even think that it is, that I've been saved, my eternity is secure, and it is. And they think that's the end, but that's just the beginning. He's saying here, and most of us can think of things we, we have been saved from, but seldom think about things we've been saved for. I want you to think today about the things you've been saved for, of why God didn't take you out of here once that he, once you trusted him as your Savior. He left you here for, for design, for a purpose, for a reason, and it, and it is usually, it, it is always, in fact, about folks. It's about people. It's about those within our sphere of influence, who, who he's placed us here to reach uh, spiritually, circumstantially, and otherwise. Um, but this idea of growing up in our salvation, of maturing in our faith, is what he's talking about here. Uh, so, consequently, we, we need to not allow the knowledge that we're taken care of, that our eternity is secure, to cause us to be satisfied or, or complacent. So here's the question. How can I tell if I'm growing? How can I tell if I'm growing? Is there, are there signs? Here's the first thing. Here's the most simple way I could, could ask it or answer this. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? If you're hungry, you're going to be growing. If you're not hungry, you're not. Beyond being hungry, what are you hungry for? Are you hungry for the next experience, the next event? Or are you hungry for the next opportunity? If you're hungry for the next experience, the next event, that tells me that you're hungry for an, for an experience. You, you have an experiential faith, which, which is it's not evil. There's nothing bad or wrong with it. It's just that it has little root system. I'm hungry to experience what I've not experienced yet, meaning my root system is shallow, and I want to experience more of God. If I'm hungry for more opportunity, that means I want to put my faith into action. I want to put feet on my faith. I want to put, bring voice to it, give hands and feet to it, meaning there's enough depth in my walk that I'm comfortable walking it out in front of others. So what are you hungry for? Are you, are you hungry for the next experience, or are you hungry for the next opportunity to give, to serve, to give your life away? A growing faith is going to lead to a contagious attitude, a contagious spirit. So here's the next question. Is anybody curious about your journey? Do folks stop and ask you about your journey? Tell me about, tell me about, you, you approach parenting different than I do. You do different things with money than I do. Your marriage is different than mine is. Tell me that, tell me what, what makes that work for you. When they're, when they're asking questions about your journey, about your story, you're contagious. Your life is having influence. Your story is being brought to bear. We need to look for those kind of opportunities and listen for them every day. If we have a growing faith, those kind of things will follow. If our faith is stagnant, been where it's been for the last 20, 30, 40 years, seldom do those questions come. But if our, if our faith is growing, they will. We've got to be hungry for it, though. Priestly followers have a growing faith. Secondly, priestly followers have a solid foundation. Look at verse 6. He says here, in Scripture it says, See, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Every building, every structure starts from the corner and goes out. Any house, any building, any, anything that's built starts from the corner. You're going to build a house, you're going to find the four corner pins of that house. 
and that's where your foundation, that's where the blocks, your, your footings are poured, and the blocks start to be laid for your foundation because it's, if, you, if you start in the middle, heaven knows where you're going to end up. So you start corner to corner and work corner to corner, both front to back, left to right, and diagonally. And so he's saying here that the chief cornerstone, the chief place for you to, st to, to start is the stone the builders rejected, which he's referring here to, is to Jesus. The stone the builders have rejected, he's the cornerstone. He's the starting place. He's the foundational place for you to start to see how your life grows because everything grows out of that. Everything grows out of the foundational things in your life. What do you value? What's important to you? What, how did your marriage work? How, how are you doing in, when it comes to your parenting, your kids? How do you do in relationships with others? How do you do, how's your career going? Everything grows out of those foundational things. And so this foundation we're laying, he, said, he says here, is a spiritual house. He refers to this as a spiritual house. In essence, one that, a house that is identified by the Holy Spirit. We, Leon and I kind of live out in the country a little bit in, in, in rural areas and are in a rural area and have folks to our house quite often from time to time and sometimes it's easy to find for them sometimes it's not so easy to find so I, I cut out a big P and stuck a big P on the side of my mailbox last summer to make our house easier to find if you're coming to look for it that's what he's talking about here in, in terms of you're being a spiritual house meaning there should be evidence of the Holy Spirit in your house he is the identifying mark he's the P on the side of your mailbox he is the one who says I am in this person I'm living through in and through this person he is, the, he is the connection point for, for those who, who know Jesus and should be, the point of identification. Now he says, this is also built, this house is built one stone at a time, one stone upon another, one, one event at a time, one, one, one crisis at a time, one victory at a time, one valley at a time, one situation at a time, one promise at a time. So if you're starting to feel wobbly in your faith sometimes, his advice here, Peter's advice, and mine to you this morning is get back to those foundational things. Get back to the beginning. Get back to those substantive things. In week one, we talked about hope, talked about our salvation and our salvation being, being a hope bringer to others. Get back to that. Last week, we talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, last week, we talked about this idea of being holy, of being set apart, of being different, of being unique. Get back to those foundational things of hope and holiness. Get back to those foundational things of, of salvation and the presence of the Holy Spirit living in, in and through us. So revisit those things if, if we're feeling wobbly. Um, we, we talked about walking in holiness last week, walking out salvation a couple of weeks ago. And our, our, our dependence on the living and enduring word and, and the indwelling spirit is pivotal. It, it is pivotal for us to walk out that, those foundational things. Listen to these words in, in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, watch this. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather heal. Strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees, he says. We can draw encouragement from one another, but our, and we should. We should encourage each other. We should, we should draw on each other's encouragement. But our strength, our source of strength, comes from the Lord. He is our foundation. He's the one who, who, who is the source of our strength. Three, a third thing is this, having a growing faith, priestly followers have a solid foundation. But thirdly, priestly followers understand rejection. Priestly followers understand rejection. Look at seven and eight. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, 
the stone the builders rejected, has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Our world, I want you to see here, does not reject spirituality. In fact, there, there, are, there are at least three and, and, and growing uh, uh, TV networks that deal with spirituality, that deal with transcendence and, and ghostly encounters and all those kinds of things. Folks aren't, I don't think, off foot by spirituality. They're off foot by Jesus in you. <laughs> They're off foot by the fact that, that, that he, is, he is in you and he is, he is an absolute, that it, that it isn't a moving target all the time. Uh, in fact, I don't think yet, yet this is occurring in our, in our lifetime, but I don't think yet our world is even, is even off foot by religion as long as you keep your mouth shut. As long as you keep it to yourself, we're fine with that. Go and do your thing on Sundays. Keep it inside the walls of your church you know, when you get out into the world, and we'll be fine with that. But it rejects Jesus. Why? Because he gets in the way of things. <laughs> he disrupts things. He gets in the way of what I want. He gets in the way of my will. He gets in the way of how I see myself in the world. He brings, brings to light the fact that I'm a sinner, that, that I need him, that I need to, know, to come to know him, and he reveals my sin to me. So if you're living a priestly life, if you're living a, a, a life of access to him, that access is going to be noticed. That access is going to be seen and, and, and lived out. And, and, and as I said earlier, questioned uh, by your friends as well. So if that's the case and you're living that out, they're not rejecting you. Hear me now. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Jesus in you. Huge difference in those two things. The, re the, the rejection of Christ in you is, is the, the, the mantra by which you live. It's not how you, you personally. And so if, if you're looking for indicators of, of whether your faith is growing or not and mature or not, and you're where God wants you to be or not, um, look, for these, look for these things that, that bring about a, if you're seeing rejection from folks, you're probably doing something right. That's as simple as I know how to put it. If folks are rejecting you, if folks are kind of moving away when you come, walk into the room that, that have known you a while at least, you're probably doing something right if those folks aren't committed believers who, who, who know and are walking with Christ. Then there's probably something wrong. You need, to, you need to heal that relationship. But if those are unbelievers or folks away from God or folks in rebellion and they try to avoid you, you're probably doing something right. Now, here's the thing. Rejection is going to come in, in, in the life of a believer. Don't go chasing it. Don't go looking for it. Don't, don't, don't seek to be offensive to others. Be winsome to others. But don't let it stop you either. We're letting rejection stop us in our culture. We need to, we need to stop worrying about how we're perceived and how we're, how we're seen, how we're acknowledged, and, and, and not allow rejection to, to rule our, our decision-making, how we process things, how we do relationships. Because rejection, if you're living for Christ, rejection, he says here, is going to come. They rejected him. They're going to reject him in you. But we, 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 we don't stop at the rejection. We keep going. In fact, we're somewhat charged by the rejection because it'll tell us something's going right within you. There's enough Jesus coming out that folks are rejecting him in you. Finally, um, priestly followers have a growing faith, a solid foundation, and they understand rejection. But finally, priestly followers understand redemption. They understand redemption. Look at verses 9 and 10. But if you are a chosen people, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of his darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, 
but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Look at these four descriptors of, of, of redemption. Four ways to describe how God redeems us. One that is that we're chosen. The second one is that we are a royal priesthood. The third is that we are a holy nation. And fourth is that we are God's special possession. Those are extremely descriptive terms. Chosen referring to the fact that God has a plan for you. He has designed for you. A, a royal priesthood referring that there is a position for you. That God has a position. That you are an heir, a joint heir and fellow heir with Jesus. Third, uh, holy nation referring to the fact that God has made a payment for you. He's redeemed you with, the, with the, the payment, the sacrifice of his son. In the Old Testament, the priest would go into the holy place to make sacrifices for the people and the most holy place, the holy of holies, once a year for the atonement of the nation as a whole. And he's saying here, that has been paid for you. You, you are a holy nation because you have been... The, the payment has been made for you. The sacrifice has been made for you. And then God's special possession... Referring to the, the, the fact that he has a purpose for you. You are my possession, and as mine, model me, walk me out, live me out in front of other folks around you that you come into contact with. These, these are four very descriptive things about you and I as followers of Jesus and as the church that were chosen, that were a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and I love the last one, God's special possession. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as a possession of, of God? that he has, has given his all to redeem you, to purchase you uh, back to himself. Uh, what's the evidence that we understand redemption? Well, I've got to know what I've been redeemed from. I've got to know what I've redeemed, been redeemed for. And I've got to know what I've been redeemed to. I've been redeemed from hell. I've been redeemed from sin. I've been redeemed from destruction. I've been redeemed from that life, from, from that, that eternity. I've been redeemed for him. I've been redeemed to bring him glory and, and, and live out that redemption in front of others. Live out the fact that I, I've been chosen. I've been, I've, been, uh, I've been saved. My sins have been forgiven. I live that out. That, that's that's f the reason for I've been redeemed. And I've been redeemed to a coming day, a coming age where that redemption is going to be made complete and whole. And I will, in fact, indeed at that point, be sinless and spotless, just like him, just like the Redeemer. To understand redemption, get those three aspects. I've, I've been redeemed from something, for something, and to something. Now, probably the greatest evidence of our understanding redemption is living a lifestyle of gratitude. Is living a lifestyle that says, I don't deserve one ounce of what God's given me, much less my, my, my salvation and anything beyond that, uh, as opposed to a sense of entitlement, a sense of, well, I'm living for God. I show up at church. I throw some money in the plate. I know a few songs. God, he, Edburn, he should be good to me. He should bless me. No, that's not the way it works. I challenge you to open up this book and find that for me. But we, we, we live a lifestyle of gratitude because we understand what we've been redeemed from. And when you get a picture of that today, and when you get a picture of, of yourself in a real and literal place called hell, because you deserve to be there, and then see his redemption from that, reaching down and grabbing you from that pit and pulling you out to redeem you, complete you, purify you because he's chosen you. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's chosen special possession. If you can get a glimpse of redemption, it's, it is far easier to walk out this faith. If we're constantly looking for what we've been redeemed from, it can be a challenge because the enemy will, will beat us up about it. Uh, we deserve hell. Verse 10 says we've received mercy. 
it's it is this is one some of the most descriptive scripture about redemption that there is in all of the Bible. And so go back and re, re, and revisit this when, when the enemy tells you, listen, you're nothing, you've been nothing, you're going to be nothing, go back and revisit this. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's who he says you are. Um, this text talks a lot about being holy, about being a royal priesthood, and I want you to see that's you and I. That's who he's talking about. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about you and I. So... To sum up this idea of priesthood is, as I said earlier, it, it is about access. It is about our coming into a holy place. When, when Jesus spoke the, word, spoke the words, it is finished on the cross, the veil in the temple that, that is woven together at, at, at the depth of about an inch thick. It's a fabric that's about an inch thick once it's, once it's woven together. And the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, meaning you and I have access to the holy place. You and I can now come in, and by, not by way of a priest, but because of what Christ has done <clears throat> for us, can come into, step into, and are welcome, in fact, invited in to a holy place. It's about access, access to the knowledge of God, access to the nature of God, <clears throat> and access to the ways of God. The knowledge of God having to do with <clears throat> this combination of word and spirit, of it not only informing but inspiring us to be who God's called us to be. The nature of God, understanding who he really is, that he is, he is neither Santa Claus nor the Grinch, but yet he's full of mercy and full of judgment at the same time. He's both those things, seeing the nature of God and having access to the ways of God, seeing what he's up to, what he's up to in me, what he's up to in folks around me, what he's up to situationally in my life, understanding that and seeing that, stepping into that. And finally, because of that access, that access should lead us to, to some understanding. It should lead us to understand him better, our, our relationship better, our redemption better. Um, what often gets in the way of that is intimidation. I'm just going to be honest with you, the enemy's good at it. He's good at it. He's good at intimidating you, at telling you, listen, just keep your mouth shut. You'll be, keep your head down, your mouth shut. You'll be fine. Heaven's waiting on you. Heaven's yours. You're a Christian. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your head down. Keep walking. You'll be fine. You know the problem with that? People you love around you are dying and going to hell. And the further we keep our head down and keep our mouth shut, the more it goes in that direction because the folks that you were going to reach and that they were going to reach from you and that they were going to reach from them and from them are never reached. You see, there's influence brought to bear as you and I live our life out. That access to that understanding if we move beyond the intimidation and allow God to use us, he will every time, every time, and we'll bring those conversations into our world. We'll bring those people into our walk. That will allow us influence in their life. They're coming to Christ and, and their own influence around others around them coming to Christ. Stop letting the enemy tell you how little you know and how little you've done. Stop letting him tell you who you're not. Start going back to 1 Peter 9 and 10. It says, I'm chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm God's special possession. That's how he sees me. That's how I, start, I need to start seeing me as well. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for <clears throat> the fact that the veil was torn and the access to the holy place is real for us. It's not some, some pie in the sky thing that we dream about access to, but you, you, invite us into a holy, you invite us into all that you are. You invite us into all that you have. 
You invite us into all that we'll ever be. Help us to see today that that access, that priestly access, is done at the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Because of his death for us, his burial for us, and his resurrection for us, offering life to us over and over again. Those truths should cause us to look at ourselves differently. They should cause us to see ourselves as chosen by you, as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, your own special possession. We need to live like that, not out of arrogance, certainly in humility, but we need to live out the truth of the fact that we are your chosen people. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are your special possession. We've been redeemed from this world, been redeemed from the, the influence of the enemy, been redeemed from the penalty of sin. We've been redeemed over and over and over again, and a growing salvation, a growing faith, a, grow, a root system that gets deeper, and, and maturity that grows deeper has, has a greater effect in our culture and the lives of people around us. Help us to pursue those things today. Help us to not be satisfied with milk and with formula anymore, but to move into a deeper place, to step into deeper water. Yes, it's riskier. Yes, there's some dangers and some, and some, some potential pitfalls, but you, you've designed for us to go there because that's who you made us to be. We're grateful for the fact that we are priests in and of ourselves. We can come to you anytime about anything, anywhere, and you're listening and actively working in our lives. Thank you for that, for that kind of love, for that kind of provision. Now help us to see us through your lens, not ours. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.